Welcome into another edition of the Set Em Straight Podcast. It's been a while, but I can finally see it. Gang is all here. Gang, gang. I'm joined by my two co-hosts, Eric McDaniel. What's good, E? What's good? What's good, Set Em Straight listeners? I told y'all he'd be back. I said, if, you, if you're if waiting on the LeBron critic, critic, he will return. He's back. And I'm joined by my other trusty sidekick, Joshua Scribner. We call him Spot, but Joshua Scribner is his government name. What's good, Spot? Ain't nothing to it but to do. What's good, family? Man, we got a lot of stuff to talk about on the show. Now, I can't promise you that it's going to be interesting or it's going to be good, but I can tell you that we're going to have to talk about a lot of stuff, okay? <laughs> so let's let's get started with some kind of, well, I guess it's not breaking news, but this just popped off yesterday, and obviously this is going to be special to me and Spot's heart. So they have approved... The Nowiski Way Street in front of the American Airlines Arena. Shout out to Dirk. Hey! And it's funny because in Miami, they trying to get Biscayne uh, Avenue. A part of that switched to something that got to do with D-Wade. And Florida got all these crazy crazy laws and stuff. So they can't get it done. And it took like a couple of months for it to happen. happen. There's another reason that we're better than the Miami Heat. That's <laughs> sweet, but... I am I'm happy for Dirk because most stadiums have a street like that, or he he also gonna get a statue. I shouldn't say absolutely. Five. He's gonna get a statue, but it's good because for somebody, especially I know you can appreciate this. I've been a Mavs fan since early 2000s. You was born and raised in Texas, so you've been a Mavs fan for your whole life. So from where the Mavs used to be to now, they have a player that's good enough. To warrant both a statue and a street named after him. It's crazy. Yeah, because in the 90s, you would have never guessed. <laughs> Shout out to Dirk. Um, if I ever slide down that way or that street, I'll make sure I still have on Laker attire. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, you want to know what's funny? Okay, so side sidebar, even though I know we ain't got a whole lot of time. but no, you good. And Quinn will probably remember this. Um, when the Mavs won at home in 2011, it was me, Quentin, Dougie, and Amy. Shout out to Dougie and Amy. Dougie gets so many shots out on the podcast. <laughs> he gets shout out like every week. I know, right? <laughs> but we went to um, we went to the Mavs parade, and we was walking down the street to get to where the parade was gonna happen. And right as we was walking, somebody uh, went down the uh, street. I don't know if you remember this. Rolled down their window, yo, go Lakers. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember that, but that's hilarious. I'll never forget that. Because <laughs> we were chatting, let's go Mavs, and everybody was so geeked, and he just rolled down the window and said, what's up, Lakers, and drove off. Boy. It's only funny because we swept them that year. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I heard this thing. I, I, Eric, are you a big candy? I know you like to eat it. I'm just waiting. Are you a big candy person? I... I proclaim myself not to be a candy I, bet, I, I thought this was, I thought that was you who said you're not a candy person. I eat a lot of candy. All right, Spotter, you a big candy person. Yeah, more fried foods and grease. <laughs> okay, so I, I heard this story that apparently Kit Kat is opening up this, it's called a Kit Kat chocolate, chocolatory, like laboratory, play on words. And apparently they have some already in Japan and um, Australia, but they're opening up one in, in Britain, in England. And you can go in there and get customized Kit Kats. And they got all these different flavors. And they cost $17 each. Are y'all buying candy that costs $17? Even if it is all specialized. You got they got special wrappers. You can pick different type of 
flavors. They got apparently like a gin and tonic flavor, a cherry bakewell. I don't know what that is. A Earl Earl Grey. I don't know what that is. I heard they got tea flavors. They got all these customized flavors, but they cost seventeen dollars, and I'm pretty sure it's just a normal size Kit Kat. Are you rolling? Is that 17 American or is that 17 pounds? No, 17. It's 14 pounds, 17 American dollars. <laughs> I got that. I, said, I knew that I'm talking my head. <laughs> my first question was going to be, what is the dimension and size of this Kit Kat? But let's just say it's the regular I'm size. I'm pretty sure it's the regular size Kit Kat. No. I'm not rolling. No, I'm not going. Let me just say, before I say this, it means I would already be in England, so I'd already be in England on vacation doing something. My philosophy has always been, if you don't go on vacation, don't go and be cheap. If you don't go on vacation, go and ball out. So okay. I would, because I would already be in England. But I'm not going to England in the first place. So <laughs> well, I, well, I know somebody who works at a at a, a rich private school, and apparently they brought them some of these pop bars. I think they, I think they were from Japan or something. And apparently it was a great flavor, and apparently they were good. And she said they were seventeen dollars. I don't believe. I said you crazy, but apparently they were seventeen. But I guess you're right, Spot. If I was over there in Britain, I would get them. I, I guess I was thinking more of I'm not. If I'm in America, I'm not paying seventeen dollars for no. no customized candy. No, I'm not just fixing to leave my house and say let me go buy seventeen dollar <laughs> candy. But if I'm already over there and I'm on vacation, you know why not? Speaking of money, did you hear about? Well, I know you heard about it, Melvin Gordon. He finally came back from his hotel. I don't know how much we talked about Melvin Gordon on the show. But Melvin Gordon, a running back for the Los Angeles Chargers, he held out just like Zeke. And they held out, holdouts went completely different ways. Zeke got a $90 million contract. And Melvin Gordon was, I think they say he was offered like 10 mil a year or something like that by the Chargers. And obviously he turned that down. And so he reported this week. And this man cost himself. He had he subject to $1.2 million fines. He lost that on $900,000 for the three games he missed. He's still making $4.6 million this year, but he's making $4.6 instead of $10 million. When keeping it real goes wrong. <laughs> well, no, actually, this is when you don't keep it real enough. See, Le'Veon, for all you want to say about Le'Veon, Le'Veon went all the way with his. Le'Veon was like, you either going to give me what I want or I ain't coming. Now, granted, he ended up getting taken less when he got signed by the Jets. That's that's correct and that's factual. But he also saved a year of wear and tear on his body. If Melvin Gordon was going to go into this and they weren't going to pay him, he should have just gone all the way like Le'Veon. He should have gone down to Miami, worked on a mixtape, been slapping strippers on the ass, and, and, wait, and just missed the whole season. I am confused why he came back after three games. Did he, was he, like, bored or something? I don't know. <laughs> but, like you said, Zeke. Didn't miss any games, got paid, and his team is three and zero. Melvin Gordon missed three games, and his game, his team is one and two, and he cost himself money. Just doesn't make sense to me. Either you, you gotta stick by your guns. If you're gonna hold out, then you gotta hold out. Whatever comes with it. Understand that he is leaving money on the table, or he left money on the table this offseason, but. That's behind him now. I don't think he can do now is focus on the future. And I guess financially the best decision was to come back on top of, I guess, the love for football. But it's just like, bro, you look like a dumbass now. Because yes. not only are you not getting the $10 million, but one thing you are going to get is dirty looks from some of your teammates in the locker room. Like, 
They understand it's a business, but at the same time, bro, you didn't even go through with it. Like, <laughs> right back where you started with the same circumstances, but fines. <laughs> yeah, like, man, you owe them money. <laughs> yeah, that's retarded. Oh, man. So I am, this podcast is a weekly show. So we don't obviously do do it daily like most shows and radio shows and whatever. But we have been literally hearing updates every single day about Antonio Brown. And I am so tired of hearing about Antonio Brown. Yeah, he, I'm, I'm good on that too. Now, we are not going to go through the ins and outs. Now, we will tell you about what's the biggest things that happened because he got cut since we last had a podcast. And then this, this man got cut. Because he was sending text messages to somebody who was uh, supposedly it was an accuser. Now, the reason why I wanted to bring this up is because I wanted to talk to Eric about these Patriots fans. Because, bro, (laughs) so after all the news broke out about him, he ended up getting cut. The man who wrote the story about Sports Illustrated now, there was a story that was was written out. If this story would have came out by itself without the sexual assault stuff, this story would not have caused Antonio Brown to get cut. But it was a story about basically how he's basically a terrible human being. He don't pay nobody back. He just feel like I'm rich. I can do whatever I want. And he gets people's services like trainers, chefs, and people to do stuff for him. And he just don't pay him. He just goes to like, I ain't never heard that. Like what? All this money. That's what apparently what he was doing. So the story was about that. And in that story, that's when it came up. The other woman that, uh, that apparently said he, uh, he did something to her because she was another person that he had her do something for him. And he ended up not paying her. So after the news came out and this man got cut, the Patriots fans was going in on the Sports Illustrated Arthur, writer of the story. Now, I need you to defend these fans. Now, is this it now do you think this is more logical? Two things could happen. Do you think this man they said he was holding on he was holding on to this story? So do you think this man is a journalist? And found out all these Antonio Brown details. You know what? I'm going to wait until the Patriots sign him. Because as soon as the Patriots sign him, I got to make sure I release it then. Or was he being a journalist and Antonio Brown was acting real crazy. He's like, you know what? Let me look into what's going on with him. He found something else out and he reported it. And it just so happened that he was on Patriots. Okay, there's a lot of things going on right there. <laughs> I'm going to say there's a possibility that the sports journalist could have been sitting on this information, just waiting on the time to actually put it out, a viable time to where he can get the response that he's looking for. Not saying that this was the related incident that was going to make that occur, but let's just go with that idea. Where that would kind of be flawed is the fact that the day after Antonio Brown signed with the Patriots, that's when that sexual allegation came out. <laughs> yes. So it's like, it can't correlate with it. It can't be because of that. So I don't, I can't speak for these New England Patriots fans and I don't know why they want to slander. They spoil. They get everything. They win all the Super Bowls. I don't mean to cut y'all, but if I was a if I was a Patriots fan, I would love when people be doing stuff to us. It seems like every time y'all get so called jaded or or taken advantage of or slighted, y'all win the Super Bowl. <laughs> every time. Thanks. All in all, the Antonio Brown nonsense was just unneeded, period. Like this is how it's gonna play out. Then I've been better not signing him all. In which I was never in favor of assigning him to begin with. But I mean of course I'm not gonna turn down Antonio Brown, I'm gonna be stoked for that. But didn't even get to play himself out besides one week. So hey. I seen a meme, they said that he was like a make a wish kid. He got to play one game with Tom Brady and catch a touchdown pass. 
and then he goes, I follow him on Instagram. You know, if you become a patron, then I might check out your social media, see what you got going. Right. He giving thanks to Tom Brady and um, Bill Belichick. And I'm like, bro, you taking these few photos, <laughs> if, if one photo that you got with these guys, <laughs> and like trying to extend thanks and stuff. I'm like, bro, just sit down. Like, because he posts on social media every day. Boy. That's part of his problem. Boy. It's the main part of his problem is that I firmly believe, and I've never told y'all this before, but I firmly believe that the government came up with social media as a way to make people snitch on themselves. (laughs) (laughs) It shall be working that way, too. (laughs) It's like, bro, we we can't catch everybody who do something wrong. I'm going to just say this because this fits with exactly what you're saying. I'm going to say I believe that without even hearing any more facts. (laughs) The reason why is because I know y'all have done this or this has occurred at one point in time throughout your day. You are thinking something. I don't care what it is. It could be provocative. It could be holier than thou. It could just be something simple like Raising Cane's. Why, when you get on Facebook, raise a boy, bro, bro, yeah, every time, like, especially if you say it out loud, like, you only got to say it out loud, it's all over your thing, bro. I promise, I don't even, you don't have to speak it, it's just there. It's there. I'm like, bro, this can't be right. Someone (laughs) told me, turn your microphone off on Facebook, but even like I just said, I'll be thinking it, bro, and it literally, (laughs) I'm scrolling, and there I go, I'm like, bro, (laughs) is this guy talking to me, or is this just opportunity? Like, which one is we got one uh, the, one more piece of NFL play news I want to talk about before we get into week three. A couple of games I want to talk about on week three. Jalen Ramsey, another player who has had a hell of a week. <laughs> Jalen Ramsey, before he was either during the during, when we recorded the last podcast or right right before he requested a trade from the Jaguars, and then on Thursday night he played in the in the game against the Tennessee Titans, and they ended up winning the game to make them one and two. And so, Jalen Ramsey, the next Monday, Jalen Ramsey apparently is out with the flu. He wasn't no sure he's going to show up to work. So, I think on, like, Wednesday, Tuesday, Wednesday, he ended up coming into the facility, and apparently the Jaguars say he had a bad back. So, that's why he ain't practicing. And then another day later, apparently now he on maternity leave. <laughs> His girlfriend is apparently pregnant and apparently people at the Jags organization don't even know when she do but he went to ten he went to Tennessee to be with his girlfriend for for her to have their second child when I, we don't know when it's gonna happen and he, they say he's gonna return whenever he's ready and he apparently he on the podcast as we speak talking about he's his request trade request still stands because once you get disrespected then it's time to move on how y'all think the Jalen Ramsey thing gonna play? I mean, I think they just gonna, they need to just trade him. I just don't know if they are gonna get what they asking for because apparently they want two first round picks. But seems like he just gonna stay away until they trade him. I got two words about how this is gonna work out. Tom Coughlin. Tom Coughlin is one of the oldest, most stubborn people in the National Football League. Like, so if Tom Coughlin don't want to trade him, he's not going to get traded. But I feel what you're saying because they better trade him because otherwise he's going to walk away and he's not going to get nothing. Yeah. Is there any free agent after the season? I think so. Like, he's either a free agent or they still have a one-year option that they could pick up. But if he's already told you that he don't want to be there, 
What would be the point of you picking up that option? Because all he's going to do is hold out and not play. Mm-hmm. And then you're going to have no Jalen Ramsey, and you're going to have to pay him. <laughs> well, you may not have to pay him, but you, you get what I'm saying. So I think they just need to bite the bullet, accept the fact that they're not going to get everything that they want, and trade him to somebody who could use him. There's a lot of teams that could use him and would probably give a king's ransom to get him. Not every player can garner this type of authority in this type of profession, but Jalen Ramsey has done it. And what I mean by that is he's clearly in control of the situation, even if he is under contract. Because, one, he's already voiced he doesn't want to be there or he wants to be traded. Even if he has a one-year deal, okay, he plays throughout the deal, and then they go from there. Do you really want a disgruntled, <laughs> I mean, the number one, well, okay, I'm not going to say number one, but top three corner in the league, do you really want that on your team? I, I think he's number one. Who's better? He's going to say Stephon Gilmore. Okay. Analytics will back me up with Stephon Gilmore, but I'm not going to go there right now. I, I'm, I'm not going to disagree. They about 1A, 1B, yeah. Yeah, they about 1A, 1B, yeah. <laughs> but um, it's just like Jalen Ramsey – Ultimately, has to be moved, bro, because he clearly is holding the organization hostage with all of these excuses to why he won't be there. <laughs> bro, yes. That's the funniest part about it to me. He had, he had, he had been out missed work for three different reasons. Now he's on maternity leave. The funny thing about it is when you see the blow up initially on the sideline, you just knew there was bad blood between Jalen and the coach. Whatever was said right there, whatever transpired right there, you knew it was probably something the coach couldn't come back from because he – requested a trade after the <laughs> after the game. So yes. the fact that they went on to win, I knew in my heart, Jalen Ramsey still went out of it. Like, y'all, ain't, <laughs> yeah. y'all ain't saying nothing. But I was interested to see, and when I watched the game, I was trying to see his interaction with his teammates. Like, how was they feeling about it? Were they still, like, dabbing them up and after good plays? And, and, I mean, it was pretty normal to them, so I guess they understand. But Jalen Ramsey got to go, period. Like, he has to leave. But where he lands is ultimately where this could get ugly. Well, and this is going to be relevant to your interest. I think there's a couple of teams in the AFC uh, on the AFC side that are, in their mind at least, one Jalen Ramsey away from a Super Bowl. And I'm going to tell you exactly which two teams I'm thinking about. The Kansas City Chiefs and the Baltimore Ravens. Can you imagine Jalen Ramsey and E.T. on the same team? Yeah, you can Oof. any team you put Jalen Ramsey on is an instant upgrade. But I'll just say some of these teams have already bitten themselves in the foot with trying to get him like for instance a Houston Texans secondary that could definitely use a Jalen Ramsey. But you've already shipped out your uh, first round <laughs> draft picks, you know what I'm saying? Not only that, Miami Dolphins too. I mean of course he would if you go to Miami right now, you obviously haven't been keeping up with that. <laughs> If you even if that's even a destination that you take to your agent, there is a problem going on. Yes. They unapologetically take Boy. Like that's they literally this is the first time since trust the process. I've never seen an NFL team blatantly tank this hard. The Dallas Cowboys were a team that played the Miami Dolphins this week. And as y'all just mentioned, the Miami Dolphins are so terrible that there's nothing interesting to talk about in that game. So I want to talk about the Dallas Cowboys rivals, or one of their rivals, the New York Giants. Because that game was interesting because Danny it was Dimes. Daniel Jones' first game, and now he got a nickname, Danny Dimes, Daniel Dimes, whatever, and, you, and Gettleman is up there. I've got a quarterback. <laughs> and he led. He did something that Eli Manning has never done. He led an 18-point comeback, 
scored two rushing touchdowns and two passing touchdowns. And he did it for most of the game without the Giants' best offensive player in Saquon Barkley. I I guess I can't ask y'all about Giants fans because y'all aren't Giants fans. But how do y'all think Eli Manning was feeling sitting on the sideline watching Daniel Jones ball out? Do y'all think he was rooting for the squad or he was like, I hope that I hope they lose? Honestly, I don't think he wanted them to lose, but he knew this was coming. Like this was ultimately on the rise for quite some time. Ever since that pick in the draft that stunned a lot of us, this was coming. This is ultimately going to surface and be prevalent. I will say we need to put some respect on David Gilliam's name. <laughs> yeah, he he's the smartest man in the room. I'm gonna give him a nickname, DGZ. <laughs> <laughs> you only get a nickname once you've done some shit that solidifies who you are. He just he might have just done that with Daniel Jones and his play, and he raved about him all offseason, and we kind of just gave him a side eye. He goes out there and lighted up preseason. Now he gets inserted in the game, and they actually get a victory. So Eli Manning. I mean, if I was him, I would have hung it up whenever um, the coach benched me after my consecutive starts. That's when I would have – that's when I've been done because y'all totally just disrespected me. And so now I'm just like – it's not even a form of disrespect that he's gotten benched, but it's like now you just got to ride it out the rest of the season knowing that you're the number two quarterback that's never probably going to see the field again and you're about to retire. It's just not an ideal way to go out in my eyes. Yeah, I mean, Eli looked done to me um, on that uh... – that game when they played the Cowboys last year when that picture that they had of him looking like deer in the headlights after he got sat. <laughs> that was the end of Eli Manning's career to me. Um, as far as Danny Dimes, I would ask everybody to please pump the brakes because let us not forget, I'm old enough to remember that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers did miss a, field, a chip shot field goal to lose that game. <laughs> so, I mean... I mean, yeah, uh, it's good for them to have Daniel Jones, but the Giants' main problem is not going to be offense. The, uh, Daniel Jones don't play defense. That defense is still atrocious. Like, it's still that defense is still god-awful. So, um, I don't know how successful he's going to be, but, you know, uh, I think I saw a meme that said it best. Uh, there's this part, if people remember Infinity War, there's this part where Thanos is explaining his plan because he's explaining what happened to Titan. <laughs> and he says, they called me a madman. Yes. Bro, see, that's <laughs> what I... had a picture of that and they said, get him. <laughs> that's what I'm more interested in. I, like, you're right. It's one game. It, it don't matter. what Daniel, Daniel Jones balled out one game. We don't, we don't know. But... How excited is David David Gettleman, bro? He is, I bet he was the first one at the office. He was there bright and early going to talk to everybody. You see, you see what happened on Sunday? You see what happened on Sunday? Bro, I know he is so geeked. They have, he haven't had a press conference, but I cannot wait to T-Jizzle get behind the mic so we can hear what he has to say about Daniel Jones. I can't wait. <laughs> um, there was, enough, there was a couple of good games on Sunday. Did y'all get to watch it? Well, it was on TV, so did y'all check out the uh, Kansas City Chiefs and the Baltimore Ravens? Because that game was entertaining. I saw the tail end of it, but I didn't see a majority of it, but uh, Patrick is... What were you doing? Watching the Cowboys? Of course. (laughs) Boy, why? They were playing the Dolphins. (laughs) My favorite team. They were playing the Dolphins. Anyways, okay. (laughs) I did not watch very much of the Cowboys because they were playing the Dolphins. I did not waste my time. I was currently at work, so I didn't get to see any of the... Oh, did you see any of the stuff on Twitter? I didn't get to see any of the earlier games, but 
I was I I keep up with like the box score and stuff and like game cast so I can know what's going on as it's occurring. And I was looking at the stat sheet and I'm just like, damn, this is Lamar Jackson last year. Because <laughs> he was like, it was like eight for twenty one at, at a point in time, and I was like, man, like what's going on? But then I'm looking at the score as it's getting later and later. I'm like, damn, like Baltimore almost won, like they was close. Like, he started coming back, man. Like it was like some of those runs, just he looked like he was at Louisville again. And you at the beginning, they did have him. He they they did have him flustered. He was trying. He they had him making real tight window throws, but. He was still making plays, and it still was exciting to watch him. And, I mean, it's always fun to watch the Kansas City Chiefs now with Patrick Mahomes out there. So, like, it was that was a real good game to watch. It was cool watching. I don't know if I want to call them both in the future, but you know Patrick Mahomes is the future, but possibly a, the future of the NFL as far as the quarterback position goes and, like, the evolution of the, of the position because, like, that game, was, that game was cool just to watch both of them at the ball out. What was cool about it to me – was that, um, and I think that it was either the Undefeated or the Atlantic, I can't remember, but somebody did this um, story called The Year of the Black Quarterback, Mm -hmm. and I think that Lamar and Patrick are, you know, a microcosm of that, is that we've never seen, and the reason why that's significant, folks, is because there was a time when folks said that black people didn't have the intellectual acumen to play quarterback or that a black quarterback would never be successful. I mean, you had your Doug Williams and your Steve McNairs and your Donovan McNabs, but by and large, it was one of those things where they said that was a position that black people couldn't play because it required more intellect and athletic ability. And this year has shown us with uh, Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, Dak Prescott, the list goes on and on about how you know, many black quarterbacks there are that can play and be successful. Another game that was pretty interesting, and I, the game was was interesting, but it was more so the result, was New Orleans Saints versus the Seattle Seahawks. And everybody thought Seattle was going to win because they were at home. The Saints were playing without Drew Brees. And the Saints got two touchdowns without the offense even stepping on the field. They got a pump return touchdown, and then they got a fumble recovery scoop and score. And so Teddy Bridgewater didn't have to do too much, and they relied on Alvin Kamara, and they ended up going into Seattle and winning, even though it seemed like Russell Wilson scored 100 touchdowns. Bros playing him in fantasy is like he had a million points. Like, he's, he's just scored another touchdown as we speak. He scored so many touchdowns! How did they lose? Because most of those was garbage time. Like, I, now that game I watched... Um, what they showed, what uh, whatever portion of it they showed. That actually, that came on after Cowboys. Yeah, it came on after the Cowboys. So game. yeah, that game I watched, and yeah, the thing of it was is just that until they started in the fourth quarter getting them garbage time touchdowns, uh, Seattle got like drug. Like it was crazy. I was not expecting that, and the Saints, you know, punched them right in the mouth. They took it to them. Um, you know, Teddy wasn't fantastic, but he did enough. You know, he did what you would expect a quarterback in that spot not named Drew Brees to do. He got the ball to his playmakers. So, I mean, it was it was crazy. Like, I was not expecting that. And it makes this next Sunday night game when uh, the one and only Dallas Cowboys going to New Orleans to face the Teddy Bridgewater-led New Orleans Saints. Like, that's going to be real interesting. That's the game I'm ready to see. 
like I was excited that New Orleans was able to pull out the victory because a lot of people wrote them off even for these couple weeks or a few weeks that uh, Drew's gonna be out. And uh, so it's cool to see the highest paid, I mean the highest, yeah, the highest paid backup in the league quarterback get a win. And we'll see if he can go out there again and try to make some magic happen versus the Cowboys. We haven't did this segment in a long time. We gonna we have a I, we have a pettiest person of the day, and we got a segment of who did petty better. So for the pettiest person of the day, we got your boy Troy Aikman. Did you see what he said on Twitter? Um, Troy has been real in his feelings lately. What do you say? <laughs> okay, so the Athletic Kansas City tweeted. In case you missed it, Patrick Mahomes has thrown 36% of Troy Aikman's career touchdowns in about 8% of the games. And <laughs> Troy Aikman quote to him was like, in case you missed it, talk to me when he has 30% of my Super Bowl titles. <laughs> it's so funny because I know he he's not talking out of Patrick Mahomes, but the media, they always coming at Troy Aikman because he, he never had more than 20 touchdowns in the season like they didn't watch him play nah, and like he's he, just a hater oh he's just a hater yeah, because i believe they it was a cowboys game that had broke a record he's like i've done that a few times <laughs> they, were, they were saying like no that is the first oh yeah that was the first game he had the uh the perfect yeah. passer right and i do remember that <laughs> all right well he just hating all right spot national time to shine you get to you get to decide who did petty better all right, two scenarios. Number one, we sticking with the Dallas, with the Dallas Cowboys. They was they real petty after this three and win. They they feeling themselves after this three and zero start on the season. Are we about to talk about Jordan Lewis? You we about to talk about Jordan Lewis? <laughs> so, like as we mentioned earlier in the show, the Cowboys play the Miami Dolphins, and the Miami Dolphins are one of the worst football teams we have ever seen in the NFL so far in within three games. And so, some dude named oh, let me get the name right. He plays defense for the Miami Dolphins. Well, not not him. I'm talking about the, the first dude who tweeted. Some dude named Travis Wingfield. I don't know who it is. He tweeted out, Woo boy, Davin, whatever, the, Devon, whatever the dude's name from, my, from Miami that played defensive tackle. He said he gave Travis Frederick all he can handle. So the Devon dude, he quote tweeted, he was like, if they the best O-line, then what am I? And then Jordan Lewis quote tweeted, he said 0-3. <laughs> So that's contestant number one on who did Petty better. Contestant number two, it's not Dallas Cowboys, but we're sticking with the Dallas team. My boy Dirk. <laughs> so the NBA sent out this uh, member, a new rule that now they're going to require teams to act to list their actual players' height. So at the beginning of the training camp, every player is going to get measured with in their socks. And before I get to the petty side note, does this mean we actually get a seven foot KD on, on 2K now? Because he always 6'9 on 2K because he listed at 6'9, but we all know KD's seven feet. Mm-hmm. So now we're about to get a seven feet tall KD on 2K. That's gonna oh. be that's gonna be crazy. Yeah. So <laughs> after the news came out, Dirk gonna, gonna tweet JJ Bray and say, You okay? Because <laughs> 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 you know JJ Bray is short, and you know they got him listed way taller than what he really is. So Spot, our our minister of petty, who did petty better? I gotta go with Jordan Lewis, <laughs> just because the Dirk and JJ Barea is a thing that only Mavs fans would appreciate. 
I mean, I'm pretty sure after he locked down LeBron in that finals, people know kind of who J.J. Barea is. But I think that more people would appreciate that whole Jordan Lewis thing because, yeah, it's always it, – that always happens in football. It's always one dude in football. Y'all, y'all both play football, so y'all know. It's always one dude in football. Oh, we lost, but I wrecked. <laughs> I balled out, though. <laughs> it's always that one dude, so – Y'all just got to remind him that at the end of the day, all that matters is that scoreboard. The David Irvin um, interview, you you mentioned you want to talk about that. I didn't I didn't read or see the interview. So tell me what David Irvin was talking about. So David Irvin, former Cowboy who was a defensive tackle for the Cowboys, was suspended several times during his career for drugs. Um, after his last suspension, he quit the NFL and quit it in, uh, you know, just extreme fashion by putting a video of himself uh, with a huge blunt in his hand online saying I quit the NFL. Oh, he's on like an Instagram live or something like that, yeah, right? Yeah, he's on Instagram <laughs> live saying he quit the NFL with this big old weed thing in his hand. Well, the narrative coming out of that that everybody took was he quit the NFL because he just wanted to smoke weed, wasn't it? Well, he didn't uh, sit down with Sean and RJ who are both uh, local um, Dallas radio people and he did an hour and he basically went into a whole bunch of stuff about his career and he's like, bro, all this stuff that people been saying, like it's not how people think it was. It's not how people are making it sound. Cause he says, first of all, people say, well, you walked away from millions of dollars. He made the comparison and it's something that we've often talked about on the show about how comparatively to the NBA and the MLB, NFL players are underpaid. Like, way underpaid when you consider that the NFL is the most popular sport in America by far. And the most violent by far, unless you include UFC, but whatever. Um, So he's talking about how, you know, this whole, you walked away from life-changing money. He was like, this was not money that was going to take care of me for the rest of my life. But what really got me was two things that stuck out about the interview. Number one, he said that, the interview had the uh, the NFL had the audacity to tell him to go to rehab and that he had a drug problem. <laughs> but coming out of rehab, they assigned him five different pills. Boy, stop! They gave him. Uh, he said he was on uh, Xanax. He was on some painkillers. He was on, I think, hydrocodone. But the one that really got me was he said I was on Seroquel. For those of you who don't know what Seroquel is, that is an antipsychotic. <laughs> like, if you ever watch a show where um, people are going crazy and stuff in an insane asylum, and they put the straight jacket on and give them that little shot to make them calm down, that's Seroquel. That was what they had him putting into his body. So, that was the first thing that got me. But the second thing that got me was how he failed the test. Before you go, get into that, not to be the I told you so guy, but I, I've been saying this for a long time about the NFL and its stance on marijuana and how the fans view it. Like, they view people who get busted for marijuana. Oh, you so dumb for smoking. Do you realize what they shoot the players up before the games? Like, what do you mean? So, it's better to be up on opioids than smoke weed because football hurts? Like, it's so stupid, the arbitrary feelings that, that fans have on it just because the NFL told you that it's bad. Anyways, continue. Yeah. And, and we can get to that. But um, the other thing that he mentioned was how he got caught. Because he said, um, he said, I've smoked since I was 12 years old. I smoked all through uh, college and never failed a drug test. And the interviewer stopped him and he said, okay, well, 
uh, I guess that means that those tests are pretty easy to fool. He was like, no, I just literally stopped smoking. I knew when the tests were, and I was able to control myself because it's not addictive. Right. And I stopped smoking, and then after the test, I started smoking again. And they were like, because he said, these tests, they literally have a spotter that sits there, watch you pull down your pants, and has to watch the liquid exit your body. Yep. So he's like, there's no way that you can fool that. Like, you're not fooling that test. But he said, the way they got me in the NFL was, they gave me a substance test, I passed it, then um, the next week I got tested for steroids. Well, on the steroids test, my testosterone came back a little elevated. I didn't know, and a lot of people in the NFL probably don't know, is that if something pops on the test for you, that means that even if they just tested you, they can go back and test you for anything. So I got the call, said, hey, we popped you. You popped me for drugs? No, we didn't pop you for drugs, just testosterone was up. Oh, okay, so I gotta take the steroid test again. No, you gotta take a substance test. Like, bro, cause he had stopped smoking, taking his test, he's like, all right, I'm good, I'm good. I'm good. Started smoking again. Uh, yeah, well, your testosterone is up, so now we can test you for literally anything we want. Go here by three o'clock today. Went there, did the test, failed. Now you in the drug thing. Now you got to go to rehab. So he was talking about how this problem with incremental change of, oh, I'm going to wait for the next CBA. He's like, it's so stupid because when the CBA thing comes around, he's like, they give you these horrible options. He's like, I remember one time our CBA rep came in and asked us, they were like, okay, so on this new pay scale, we don't pay rookies this much and then vets this much. And we could do that. Or your other option is we can do this thing where we pay everybody the same. What? And he was like, I was the person. And he was like, I see how these people are like, oh, I pick A, I pick B. I was the person in the back talking about both of those options are horrible. <laughs> He's like, what? You hear about the stars and the quarterbacks who sign these big, huge dollars. And he's like, not everybody's making that. Like, I don't exactly. have the money to take care of my family for the whole rest of my life. And these MLB stars and these NBA stars are making crap tons of money. And honestly, they could pay us that if they really wanted to. Like, they could, the owners could take somewhat less. He said, or you don't even got to take less if you're the um, if you're the owner. You know, pay us a cut of the merchandise. We don't see any cut of the merchandise, but like, pay us a cut of our jersey sales and say, hey, you know, instead of the owner taking this percentage, move that decimal point a couple of places. He's like, would the Jones family notice if that decimal place was moved? No, but the Urban family sure would. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like, like, bro, it's just, it's so crazy. And I like the interview because it was a microcosm of everything that's going on. But again, like we always say, the problem is that until the players decide that they will have a work stoppage and nobody comes to work and nobody plays, these things will not get addressed because all the owners have more money than they do and the owners can just sit and wait them out until they'll take, you know, whatever crumbs we're going to give you and not get a true player-friendly deal. And then the last thing he said that stuck with me, especially um, since Calvin Johnson has since done an interview talking about how he had to smoke weed after every game because his body hurt. Um, he said that I can tell you for a fact that 12% of 
I can tell you that for a fact that 12% of the league, or 80%, I'm sorry, 80% of the league smokes. And that's 80% of players, not to mention personnel, mm-hmm. um, trainers, doctors, all that type of stuff. Bro, we had a coach snorting cocaine off his desk. Yes. <laughs> he says, so 90% of people in organizations are smoking weed. And he said, and it's not going to be destigmatized until somebody who's a quote unquote good guy comes out as somebody who smokes. So it was it was just crazy to me, like all that. So that's why. Where can we find where can we find it? I'm gonna have to go check it out. So it was on. I listened to it on the Stitcher app when I looked under Sean and RJ. That's S A H N and R J. Um, but it's also on 1053thefan.com. Um, so yeah, it was a. It's about an hour, but dude goes into his whole history, what he's doing now. Um, he talks about why he and Jason Garrett didn't get along because he says I have a lot of natural ability on the football field and Jason Garrett likes dudes who grind and show up and try hard and show up late and stay late and he's like but like I was going through a custody battle like I have full custody of my daughter now but the whole time I was a cowboy I was going through some real stuff at home he's like like bro I can't stay late I gotta go home and get my daughter (laughs) that's crazy I'm I'm gonna check it out the last thing I want to talk, talk about before we get out of here is a couple of college football things that went down (laughs) <laughs> Jim Harbaugh boy. boy He got Michigan out here Sorry He yeah. was the savior For Michigan Everybody When he went to Connect the college Everybody was like He about to turn Michigan Wolf. Into a powerhouse Bro they have been Not good Mediocre to trash Ever since And this Past weekend They were an underdog For the first time And something I don't know what the What the stat was But I kept hearing They were an underdog For the first time In a certain amount of time And I'm confused As to why Because not like They've been that good Anyways they went out there and got smoked by Wisconsin. So I didn't get to watch the game spot. So tell me, what was Michigan out there doing? Just being sorry is really what it was. I mean, first of all, they was running a two-quarterback system. And what's our favorite saying? If you got, you got two, two quarterbacks, quarterbacks you ain't got one. one. But that wasn't even the main problem. The main problem was turnovers, fumbles, um, and they could not stop. You know, Wisconsin always got a running back. But right now they got one, and his name is Jonathan Taylor. And he's a real dark horse Heisman candidate because he was running all over them. He got hurt and left the game in like the second quarter and still had, I think, 152 undone, something like that. It was ridiculous. They was like beating them nonchalantly. And here's the crazy stats about the Harbaugh era in Michigan. He is 1-9 against top 10 teams. Oof. And he has not beaten (laughs) Ohio State not once. Oof. Is that bad? <laughs> That's very bad. <laughs> let, me, let me put this to you this way. If there was a coach in Texas who hadn't beat OU in four years, wouldn't you want him fired? Boy. <laughs> did y'all did y'all see any of, well, I, I'm pretty sure y'all didn't because I put it in the chat. Didn't nobody say nothing. But did y'all hear about the Washington State and UCLA, UCLA game? But those pack to games just come on so late, and I'm old now. I can't stay up. <laughs> bro, that game was still going on at one thirty because it was so crazy, bro. UCLA came back. They scored twenty nine minutes in less than four in less than twenty nine points in less than four minutes. I didn't see none of the game, but that but those four minutes, and it was the craziest four minutes of life. I was like, bro, what is life? What is going on? Like it was just touchdown, 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 touchdown. Neither one of those teams play defense. It was just all touchdown. And UCLA ended up. Winning at the end and like, bro, that game was crazy. It was crazy, and <laughs> I just don't. I saw um, on um, I got an alert on my phone that HBO has this new 
a college football uh, show coming out, and Wazoo gonna be one of the teams. I'm so interested to see like their practice and see what their defense is doing, bro. Like it's, I feel like they don't do no defensive drills at all. They don't even like bro, like they got to, bro. That that defense is non-existent, bro. That game was crazy, though, man. I mean, Mike Leach ain't never been nowhere to play defense. He was the offensive coordinator at OU. Then he was the head coach at Tech. Now he's the head coach at Wazoo. Don't none of the teams I named play defense. Bro, the craziest stat, the Wazoo quarterback had nine touchdowns and lost. Nine touchdowns. He lost with nine touchdowns, bro. Like, they was out there playing mad. I'm not going to lie. He got, he got a lot of scouts' attention after that just simply off having nine touchdowns. So all you got to do is be anything similar to Gardner Minshew in the NFL. That's true. That's, I mean, that's the new quarterback you. <laughs> but um, something else I did want to talk about. College football before we close. I'm so tired of the SEC. Like, we get it. The SEC? Yes. Okay, SEC. last week it was the ACC. This week it's the SEC. <laughs> next week it's going to be the Pac 12. And then the next week it's going to be somebody else. <laughs> I, but it's for a different reason. Okay. Like, it's for this reason of it's so top heavy that the top teams in the SEC are all ranked high for no reason. Like, bro, they ain't even played nobody. Florida's not played nobody. LSU played y'all. Y'all the only ranked team that LSU has played. And I get Alabama is Alabama, but Alabama ain't played not not a soul. <laughs> not a soul. So I'm like, this whole preseason ranking thing has got me bothered because, like, all you got to do is be overinflated preseason and then coast against bad teams and you're going to be ranked high. And then at the end, when they compare resumes, they're going to be like, oh, well, they beat this team and they were ranked such and such and so. You're right. The Aggies are still ranked, and they do I don't know why. Likes. I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> like, bro, this is it's, – it's, I mean, I get that it's only week four, and we got a long way to go for the playoff, and, oh, what do you think it happened in college football? That's why we love it. But I just feel like we're staring down the barrel of multiple SEC teams in the playoffs, which is going to piss me off. Don't say that. <laughs> <laughs> we want to thank everybody for tuning in to another episode of the Set Straight Podcast. Don't forget, you can like the Seven Straight Facebook page. You can follow all three of us on Twitter. Eric is at Snooze You Lose 89. I am at Q Walter B. And Spot is at Jace Crib 325. Until next week, holla! Hey.